Good morning and welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Um, but on today, we're doing a special episode for you guys. Since I was a- not able to um, be on the show on Tuesday, I want to give myself a day to kind of get off of the um, off of the live and give myself an opportunity to kind of give myself some breathing room. Um, so definitely glad to be with you guys on this morning. Hope you're having a fantastic Friday in the name of the Lord. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about law and grace. Uh, we had a question on the previous podcast. Um, that was talking about what is the difference between the law and the grace of God. And so we're going to talk about that in greater detail on today. If we have time, we're also going to be talking about a part of the um, of Matthew chapter 14 um, that I thought was very interesting. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to drop down in that comment box below with any questions, comments, or concerns that you may have. And sometime during the show, if there is time, I'll answer all questions that are in the box. Just make sure to keep them classy so that way we don't get shadow banned by TikTok. Um, but I'm certainly grateful that you guys are here and hope that we're able to say something to you today that will be able to edify your souls on this morning. So we're going to start off with a word of prayer and then we'll jump right into the heart of, um, of, our, um, of our topic on today regarding law and grace. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're grateful, God, that you thought it not robbery to give us this opportunity to be able to worship you in spirit and truth. We're asking on today, Lord God, that you just come into this place. Um, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Um, have your way all over this podcast on today. Lord God, anything that has been said or done that is not of you, we ask that you just forgive us of our sins and remove that from us, Lord. Um, and just render to us a word that will edify, magnify, deliver, and set free on today. Lord God, we're grateful for you on this morning and grateful that you again have just given us this opportunity to be able to worship you on today. We ask, Lord God, that the words that are said on this day uh, be food for our souls, uh, that it help to lead and guide us into your truth and to remind us of what you have done for us when you died and rose again. And so we're grateful and we give your name all praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, so coming out of the book of Romans, uh, chapter number seven is where we're going to part today. Uh, but I want to just go ahead and just jump right in as we're talking about um, the difference between law and grace on today. And per usual, like I can't get this thing to zoom in and out when I want it to. I've never, I don't understand why. It don't want to work for me, but okay, so be it. I'll just be right here. Um, but again, we're talking about the difference between law and grace on today. Um, many people, um, growing up, I'll I start it like this. Growing up, we thought, a lot of us Christians thought, that the way to God and the way to a relationship with him was predicated upon doing a bunch of rights and wrongs, a list of do's and don'ts, if you will. And as a result, for a lot of us, we thought that our relationship with God was contingent upon being able to do the things that he wanted us to do and not do the things that he didn't want us to do. And so, you know, for many of us, we got the message of the gospel wrong in so much that we thought that once Christ saves us, once he redeems us, once he cleans us up, it is now our responsibility to do the list of things and don'ts in order to get into the kingdom of God. 
And so we're following the Ten Commandments. We're following the Beatitudes. We're making sure that we have the um, the fruit of the Spirit in us. We're, you know, making sure we're going to church every Sunday, reading our Bibles every day, you know, for the women wearing long dresses, you know, and not being provocative and all these other things. And, and, and not smoking, not drinking, not partying, not gambling, not lusting, not doing any of these things. Some of us, we take it so far as not even watch TV. All in an attempt to try to make sure that we keep our right standing with God. And that became the way in which we worshipped our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We took the law of God and we try to white knuckle it. Um, and try to, by the skin of our, our, our teeth, try to get into the kingdom by doing all of these different things. All these different rules, all these different practices, all these different rituals. In an attempt to win God's love, win God's favor, and to ensure that we are in the kingdom of God. And so we climbed those ladders as hard as we could, all in an attempt to make sure that God loves us and that we are escaping hell. That is legalism. Straight up legalism. So, over the past, I would say, 30 plus years, we've seen a switch take place where... We swung the pendulum all the way to the other side. And we said, God isn't about the law. He's all about grace now. That law stuff is the Old Testament. It's all, that's old stuff. When Jesus died, he did away with the law. And as he did away with the law, we no longer have to live by a code or creed or practice. God loves us and he forgave us of our sins and he forgave us of everything that we've done. And so now we're living under grace and grace says that you can sin 70 times seven a day and God still loves you. He still cares about you. He's still going to bless you. He's still going to honor you. He's going to forgive you for all your sins. And you can basically live the kind of a carefree life, um, a care carefree lifestyle knowing that God loves you he's gonna bless you he's gonna honor you he's gonna you know look upon you he's gonna give you everything that you want all your heart's desires will be yours if you seek first the kingdom those things will be added to you delight yourself in the Lord he'll give you the desires of your heart and all that is freely given by a loving God who says to us we no longer have to follow the rules we no longer have to follow the codes we no longer have to follow the practices we just gotta love Jesus because Jesus is love, and so and so are we. And that is how grace works. That is how grace is. That's how we operate in grace. And that's what the, the, love, the, the love of God is all about. It's about being ingratiated into this space of faith and love and goodness and kindness and mercy. And that is how we as believers should live our lives without fear of having to follow any rules, any practices, any any creeds, any 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 protocols because God loves us and because he loves us he is going to elevate us into all these great things and we never have to follow rules again that is grace and that's what Jesus secured for us on the cross he loved us so much that he has graciously given us all of his love and all of his blessings and all of his favor and we never have to follow another thing again as long as we say that Jesus is our Lord and Savior now that's also misleading because what Christ has done for us is put us in a position and put us in a place to where when he rescues us and ransoms our hearts, he places in us a heart 
that beats to the drum of the spirit and causes us to then walk out his precepts. And in doing so, the gospel message and the gospel narrative is such to where the law and grace are two sides of the same gospel coin. That it's not law or grace. It's law and grace. The two of them come together in a perfect harmony, in a perfect marriage that was secured by Christ on the cross. So, what we want to talk about today is how law and grace come together in the complete picture of the gospel narrative. Once again, coming out of, um, of Ezekiel 36, God gives us the ability to walk out the precepts of God by transferring out of us the heart of stone and placing in us the heart of flesh. Ezekiel chapter 36 um, gives us this, um, this perfect picture of what happens when God transforms us from the kingdom of darkness and, 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 um, and brings us into the kingdom of light. When he takes us and then and completes this great transfer. He says to us, uh, starting in verse number 24, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring into bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle you with clean water and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God and I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. So God tells us in the scriptures that he is going to make it so to where we are able to walk out his precepts and walk out his ways. That he is going to transfer the heart of stone, a stone that a heart of stone doesn't want to li listen to him, doesn't want to worship him, wants to do our own thing, wants to live how we want to live, wants to do it how we want to do it, when we want to do it, whenever we want to do it, all willy-nilly. He's going to take that out of us. Why is that necessary? Because all throughout human history, we, the people of God, had tried our best to live a righteous life in some way, shape, or form. Whether we're trying to be righteous in our own eyes or even if we're trying to be righteous in the ways of God. And all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As it says in Romans chapter 3. Give me a minute to get there. Romans. Verse number 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through, wit, through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and I'm going to pause right there, even though there's a comma. Because I want to go back into um, Romans chapter 3 
to talk about just how messed up we all are. Verse number nine. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, Jews and Gentiles, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So what happens to us is we're we try hard as we might to earn our right standing with God. And we try to earn our right standing with God by following the law of God. Hence, hence the law. The law shows us the way in which we ought to be, the way in which we ought to live, the standard that has been set by the Almighty God. That same law, though, shows us how incapable on our own we are to follow the law. Because we as people, we are incapable of being righteous before a righteous God. No matter how much good work you do, you will never be good enough to enter the kingdom of God on your own standing. No matter how much you go to church, no matter how much you read your Bible, no matter how many times you go to church and, and, and sit in the pews, no matter how many auxiliaries you may attend, no matter how much money you give, no matter how many good deeds you perform from one day to the next, your goodness will never be good enough to enter the kingdom of heaven on your own. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven by yourself. And God set it up that way so that we, by the law, can see that we are incapable of being righteous before a righteous God on our own by ourselves. That takes us then to Romans chapter 7, in which we find these words here. This is the point of the law. What shall we then say? Start at verse number 7, Romans chapter 7, verse 7. What shall we then say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. 
for sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. So what is Paul saying there? Before we have a knowledge of who God is, we're kind of just out here being our own gods, right? And we pretty much just do what we want to do. And we don't have a guilty conscience. We don't have a guilty conscience. Because we're just out here doing what we want to do, all willy-nilly. Doesn't matter who's do, who says what. What I'm doing what's right in my own eyes, as the book of Judges shows us time and time again. The people did what was right in their own eyes. Every time one of the judges died, they do what was right in their own, what's right in their own eyes. Whole thing go to crap. And then now God got to come in and step in through a judge and come and redeem everybody. So we're just doing what we want to do. Once we have, an, whether it's intrinsic or whether someone comes along and tells us who God is, and we now know, you know, in some way, shape, or form, who God is, we then have a law that tells us, you can't do this. You can't covet, you can't steal, you can't lie. You can't gossip, you can't commit adultery, you can't commit fornication, you can't, you know, um, you know, do drugs, you 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 can't, you know, you know, say you're for me and then be against me. We have all these different rules that show up as a result of a knowledge of God, right? Once the knowledge of God shows up, now sin becomes sinful. Because now I know, oh, I can't do that. It's just like if my parents are in the house and or rather my parents are doing whatever and I have no clue that we're not supposed to eat cookies before six o'clock. So I'm just going in eating cookies, eating cookies, eating cookies, you know, I don't care. But then here comes mom saying, you know, you got an appetite problem. You got you got you, you can't you don't like to eat your food because you don't eat too many cookies. So before 6 p.m. you can't have any cookies. Okay, now my desire for cookies has grown greater because someone put a rule in place that said, don't eat cookies before 6 p.m. I want those cookies more so than I did before the law showed up because when the law didn't show up, I didn't really care too much that I had a restriction or a limitation on my life that required that I... Not eat cookies. But now that the law has shown up and said no cookies before 6 p.m., now it's produced in me a desire to eat these cookies. And so now, here I am, busted up, broken, hurt. I want to eat these cookies so bad. And the law is in place to protect me so that I can have an appetite to eat my dinner. But I want those cookies so bad that I'm not willing to step over the rule of don't eat the cookies so I can indulge in the cookies. And now that I've done that, not only can I not flourish by eating the meal that was prepared for me, but now I have to incur whatever punishment comes with having broken the law of my mom, the law of my dad that said, don't eat these cookies before 6 p.m. Our God has said to us. Make sure I'm. 
where I need to be. Where is it? Mm-mm-mm. find it. Wages, 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 wages. Yes. Romans chapter 6, verse number 23. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. All of it. From the smallest to the greatest. So when we see the law of God, we also see an incapacity for us to be righteous before God on our own. Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have made a mistake. All of us have fallen short. And as a result of that, we deserve to die for that. The wages of sin is death. Therefore, we cannot on our own establish a righteousness that gains us entry into the kingdom. And the law is put in place to remind us of our inability to, apart from God, get into the kingdom. To live righteous before righteous God. And that's why we need a savior. And that's why I'm glad we got one. Because Jesus did what we couldn't do. Jesus performed what we couldn't perform. When he lived the perfect life, died the death that we deserved, rose again, and credited his righteousness to us. For as it says, going back to Romans chapter 3, verse number 21, the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. Remember when I pressed pause on this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, comma, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ Jesus. So now grace has entered and said, I, Jesus Christ, have died for your sins. And I live the perfect life of the law that you couldn't live. So that if you repent and believe in me, I am crediting my righteousness to you. I am giving you my righteousness. I am crediting my righteousness to you. So that when God sees you, he sees the finished work of me and counts you Righteous, calls you a son, calls you a daughter of the kingdom. So that you are no longer trying to live a life to get in the kingdom. 
Rather, you are living a life because you're in the kingdom. Notice the distinction. We don't work to earn our way into the kingdom. We work because we're in the kingdom. The love that God gives us, the heart that he gives us, again, going back to Ezekiel 36, transfers the heart of stone, replaces it with a heart of flesh. That heart beats to the drum of the Holy Spirit and causes us to then walk out the precepts. And those precepts we walk out because of the love that we have for Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for us on the cross. We love because Christ first loved us. And gave his life for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that through him the world might be saved. And so when we repent. Which is a, 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 a conscious denouncement of all other gods, all other things that have tried to take precedent over our lives, the willful sin that we part that we part that we partook in, we are saying, "I do not want any of these things to rule my life anymore. I pledge allegiance to Jesus. I give him my uppermost affections, my uppermost attention, and then believing in him." Saying, I believe in everything that Jesus is. I believe in everything that he's done. I believe in everything that God is trying to accomplish. And I'm pushing all my chips in. I'm not hedging my bets to say, I believe in Jesus and I believe in Allah. And I believe in sage. And I believe in new age. And I believe in crystals. And I believe in chakras. And I believe in yoga. And I believe in Buddha. I know. I'm saying, if I'm wrong about Jesus. If I'm wrong about him. When I get to this to the end of this journey, if there's somebody else at that finish line, then I'm doomed. That's how much I believe in him. I'm pushing all my chips in and saying, I'm not believing in anything else for the for the for the verification and the authentication and the and and and, and the um and the the what's the word I'm looking for? Um for my soul's sake. I'm believing in Jesus when it comes to my soul. If I'm wrong about him, I'm doomed. When we do that, Christ credits his righteousness to us. And says, welcome to the kingdom. Repentance and belief is what gets us in, not your works. Repentance and belief is what gets you in. Not your right standing before people. Your righteousness is but a filthy rag before the righteousness of God. And if y'all don't know what a filthy rag is in Old Testament times, it's a menstrual cloth. Menstrual. So think about menstruation and what comes with that. That's what your righteousness is before God. Your stomach hurt yet? We think if I do what if I do the commandments, then God's obligated to love me. No, he's not. God's love is not predicated upon what you do. 
you don't have a, a, a you don't have the ability to give yourself um, entry into heaven or hell in so much that you can't make that decision by your works. Your works will not get you into the kingdom. And the law is there to remind you, you can't do this. Not on your own. And grace steps in and says, Christ already took care of that. He already took care of the, 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 the righteous requirement necessary for you to get into the kingdom. And with that grace gives us the heart of flesh. And that heart of flesh then compels us to live out the commandments of God. It compels us to do what's right. Compels us to do what's holy. Compels us to live out the commands. And even if we make mistakes along the way, that same spirit reminds us, but Christ took care of that on the cross. It does not give us license, as Romans chapter 6 tells us, to just go sinning all willy-nilly. So no, that is not what I'm suggesting here. Oh, that just means you get to sin how you want to. That's not, that's, that's cheapening the grace of God. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is, the love of God that, that, that reigns in us is so strong that it compels us to live right. And we can live right free of guilt for when we make mistakes along the way. Sanctification is a journey that we'll be on until Jesus glorifies us in the life to come. And so as we're being sanctified and living, living more holier, living holier day by day, things ought to start falling off of us. Things ought to start shedding off of us. It's not to say there's going to be roses every day, but things should start falling off of us moment to moment, day to day, year to year. Or the same sins that were bothering us three years ago, we shouldn't be so quick to fall into them. We should have eyes to see, ears to hear. We should be able to know, you know what, I, I, this thing ain't bothering me like it used to because of the supremacy of, of the Christ that lives inside of me. And these things ought to start falling off so that we can continue to revel in the commands of God free of the guilt and free of the shame that comes from making mistakes along the way. It's not a willful act. It's not willful sin. It's a daily struggle with sin as we see in Colossians chapter 3 when it says, set, set your mind on things above, put, there, put to death therefore. That's a constant struggle that we're going through every single day. But we don't go through the struggle alone. You have a living, breathing God living inside of you. That causes you to walk out your precepts and walk out your ways and walk in the ways of God. So no, we're not living in the grace and have done away with the law. Instead, the law and grace are married together through the power of the gospel. Through Christ, we see law and grace put together in perfect harmony to show us that we can have right standing with God free of charge.
You don't have to present to God a laundry list of things that you've done and things that you didn't do to have a right standing with him. You simply have to pledge allegiance to Jesus and push all your chips in and say, I will have no other gods before him. And even that is a gift of grace because we need the Holy Spirit to show us, to unlock it, to, 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 to you know, give us the eyes to see it. It's why Paul calls this the foolishness of preaching. This is foolishness. Absolute foolishness. For how is this powerful enough to convince someone that Jesus is Lord? This is foolishness. And yet... Jesus uses this very foolishness to confound the wise because you have so many wise people who wonder, why are you following Jesus? And our, our answer is simply because he convinced me. Jesus convinced me. The Holy Spirit convinced me. God convinced me. All we do is proclaim truth. All we're doing is proclaiming the gospel. Ain't no reason why anybody should have a relationship with Jesus off of the stuff we say. Nobody. And yet God in his infinite love, wisdom, and might saves us through the power of preaching. It's foolishness. And yet, look at how many people are saved and redeemed and justified and glorified through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is foolishness. And yet, even the wisest of people, even the people that come through on my life, they can't, how, how, why, how? He convinced me. And the thing that I love about Christ is that the same power that rose him from the dead is the same power that lives in me. It's the same power that lives in you. And it's the same power that can live in you. And for that reason, we exalt we exhort, we preach, we sing, we love because he's been that good. He's been that kind. He's been that merciful to each and every one of us. The grace of God does not eliminate the law of God. The grace of God compels us to walk out the law. But we walking out the law. Free. Of the guilt. And the shame. That comes from the mistakes. That we make along the way. So much so. That what he does for us. Is he gives us the ability. To be able to look out into the world and say. God you're awesome. God you're mighty. God, you're glorious. We preach and teach the word of God and the word of truth 
to give people the opportunity to be able to see who God is and to understand that the kingdom of heaven is here. Law and grace are not divorced from one another. Law and grace come together in perfect harmony through the perfect picture of Jesus Christ on the cross. People are not going to understand this. People are going to refuse to understand this. But our job is not to argue. Our job is not to, you know, get into spats and to make ourselves great and magnanimous in an attempt to try to convince them. No. We just tell them. Christ saved us. The penalty of sin and the penalty of death has been eradicated from our record upon repentance and belief. And God, God thought enough of me that when I was out in my mess doing everything I was doing wrong, being judgmental, being unkind, being untruthful, you know, hiding behind closed doors, you know, talking to um, women behind my wife's back and doing all these other, you know, salacious things, DMing folk I ain't had no business DMing, sending stuff I ain't had no business sending. God was right there being patient enough with me to say, hey, bruh, I died for that. You don't have to do a whole list of things, of do's and don'ts to try to make up for what you did. Surrender to me and I can clean that up. I can show you not only why you did that, but I can then show you how I should be the greater so that you no longer have to do that anymore. Go your way and sin no more. See, a lot of us think that this this, this faith walk is all about God just sprinkling some, some fairy dust on us and things like that. But no, what God is really trying to do in our lives, he's trying to show us how he can empower us to live a prosperous life here on this earth in preparation for what's to come. And prosperous ain't talking about money. I'm talking about peace in your soul. Before God ransomed my heart and, and changed me, I was a textbook people pleaser. Textbook people pleaser. And I would get in so much trouble trying to make other people happy, trying to make other people feel good. I would not, you know, talk about my issues, not talk about my problems, not talk about the things going on with me, compensating for making other people happy, trying to be on stage and trying to make other people feel like they're the greatest things ever. In so much so that anytime that even, you know, being married to a whole spouse, I'm out here trying to entertain women. Sitting in the DMs, talking uh, inappropriate conversations, all that type of stuff, all in an attempt to make myself feel good because I'm making somebody else feel good. And all the while I got a relationship with Jesus, but I'm still. And every time I get caught, every time I get caught. I'm sitting here, oh God, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. And I'm trying to compensate by doing all these righteous works to make up for what I did that was wrong. Trying to live by the law apart from God and his grace. 
God finally ransomed me and snatched me up and said, hey, let me show you what my love really looks like. Let me help you see why you're people pleasing. So you can stop being inappropriate and stop disrespecting your wife. And so he showed me the reason why you're doing what you're doing. Holy Spirit revealing to me the reason why you're doing what you're doing is because you don't feel comfortable enough being transparent about your life. So because you don't want to be transparent with people, you're compensating by just making people happy. You're afraid that if they ever get to know the real you, they're going to abandon you. You're afraid that if I, if it, because you're so afraid of that, in fact, that you think that if I find out about who you really are, that I'm going to abandon you. And I know you before you even born. I created you and you're afraid of me knowing you. So you think if no one knows who I am, then I'm going to be all right. When in reality, that can be further from the truth because you're compensating for that by making sure that other people are happy as a smokescreen to make yourself feel good, to make yourself feel loved, to make yourself feel adored. And you think that if you do these things for me, God, I'm going to love you. That's why you do the same thing for everybody else. Because you think if you do those, if you do these things, they're going to love you. But what has my scripture shown you? None are righteous. Your works will not get you into the kingdom. Your works will not make me love you any more than I already do. Your works cannot make me see you any more than I already see you. I see you to the max. I know you to the max. And I love you to the max. Apart from you. So if you would revel in the love and the grace and the favor that I have given you. You will then know how to love yourself in such a way to where you can be transparent. And in your transparency, see that I have put people in your life who love you for you. And you no longer have to do things for people to gain their love. No more than you have to do anything to gain mine. My love for you is shown through the finished work on the cross. And if you would revel in that, I will cause you to walk in my precepts. I will cause you to walk in my ways. I will cause you to do the things that you are supposed to do free of guilt and shame. And that's the same power that God wants to give you today. Where I no longer have to hide out in the DMs of other people in order to get my jollies on. That I can revel in the love that my wife has for me and my kids have for me and my parents have for me. And most importantly, the love that God has for me. I don't have to walk in the shadows anymore. Because I'm so afraid of what will happen if somebody ever finds out about what I really did or how I was way back when or what I did last night. I don't have to hide behind that anymore. Trying to veil it up by a bunch of religious rites and rules and practices. I don't have to do that anymore. 
Why? Because the love that God has for me is such to where not only can I be transparent about it, not only can I be vulnerable about it, but God can also clean me up to where I can go my way and sin no more. Remember what I said earlier? These things ought to start falling off of us. There should come a point in your walk with God where the things that you used to do, they're falling off of you now. There may still be a desire, absolutely, but that desire is superseded by a desire to please Jesus. It is superseded by a desire to make God happy. Not so that he can love me more, not so that I can get in the kingdom, not so that I can be blessed, but because of what he did for me. I have a desire to please him. If God never blesses me with another thing, the fact that he saved my soul is enough for me to desire to please him. And that should be our desires. As the believers in God, empowered by a Holy Spirit, who has given us the grace to walk out the law. Given us the grace to walk out his precepts. Given us the grace to walk out his ways. Given us the grace to seek his peace, to seek his truth, to seek his principles, to seek his will for our lives. So I'm saying all that to say to us today. Law and grace are not polar opposites. They are actually a marriage, a marriage fit together by what Christ has accomplished on the cross. Jesus Christ has loved us so to where he became both just and the justifier. He loves us so much that he got on a cross and died so that we could live. To all my unbelievers in the house. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. To all my believers in the house, God loves you and he's died for you so that you can live. Revel in that. Rest in that. Sit in that. You can be free from the guilt and the shame that you feel. For having done whatever it is that you've done. Whatever hangups are still hangups. For at the end of the day, Christ died for that. Christ died for each and every one of us. So that we could be called the righteousness of God. So that we can live out in his truth, live out in his precepts, and live out in his ways. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Doing a special episode today because my week got shifted so that we worked on Wednesday and Friday instead of Tuesday and Thursday. Um, but we're certainly grateful for the 402 likes that we've gotten so far. Thank you for every like, follow, comment, and share. 
Um, if you have missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, you can um, subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and listen to every episode from um, inception to now. Feel free to fill out that comment box below if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. When we come back, I'm going to share with you guys some of my notes from Matthew chapter 14. Um, And so, again, uh, thank you guys so much for watching. And we'll be right back in just a moment. watching the true gospel morning show right here on tiktok live with you tuesdays and thursdays from 10 a.m to 12 noon eastern standard time again we're doing a special episode today because my week got shifted over by day and so we've been on wednesday and friday this week we'll be back to our regular day and time next week if god says the same um out of the book of matthew chapter 14 i'm gonna read verses 3 to 3 3 through 12 it's interesting that we talked about people pleasing in our last segment because that's exactly what we're talking about today i see how god kind of worked that all out um, so looking at verses 3 through 12 on this morning, um, we're going to be talking about um, people pleasing and some of the dangers that may come with that. Um, let's see. Now, you know, I'll start at verse 1. At that time, here at the Tetrarch, uh, heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him, talking about Jesus. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother's, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give whatever she might ask. 
Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Um, so, um, there's a lot of us in this world um, who struggle with people-pleasing. Um, we have a desire to make people happy, have a desire to make people feel good, have a desire to, you know, make other people feel like they are loved, valued, treasured, adored, all that jazz. And sometimes we will ple people-please ourselves right into hell because we want so badly for everybody in our lives to be happy at the expense of our souls. Ask yourself the question, what have you done lately that has that you know that you know that you know wasn't right, wasn't what God wanted you to do, wasn't where God wanted you to be, wasn't the position that he put you in, and yet you did it anyway because you wanted to make somebody happy. You wanted somebody else to feel good. You know it's wrong. You know it's not what God will have for you to do. You know it's not where God will want you to be. And yet, because you want to make this person happy so badly. The problem with Herod was that he was a he was a people-pleasing king. People-pleasing tetrarch, as it were. And he, his power lied in his ability to to be able or lay in his ability to be able to make folk happy with whatever they and gave gave by giving them whatever they wanted. Here's Herodias, Philip's brother. Philip Here is Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. John the Baptist tells them for whatever reason, listen, God don't want y'all to be together. Whatever y'all doing is foul. Y'all don't need to be together. Angers Herodias. Herodias tells Philip, I want to make my wife happy, so I'm going to go tell my brother Herod. Hey, man, there's this dude, John the Baptist, that's saying that we don't need to be together and it's making my wife upset. Can you do something about it for me? Now, Herod ought to just been like, well, should y'all be together? I mean, I'm just saying. Maybe he's got a point. But nah, instead, you know, to make his brother happy, make his brother's wife happy, gonna throw him in jail. Now, Herod could have executed him then. But then, his people pleasing. The people he knew thought that John the Baptist was a prophet. And so if I kill him, the people are gonna be mad at me. So I'm gonna just let him stay. I'm just let him sit in prison. That'll make everybody okay. That'll make everybody okay. That'll make everybody all right. So now it's his birthday. It's your birthday. We're gonna party like it's your birthday. Hey, hey, go shawty. It's your birthday. We're gonna party like it's your birthday. And so here they come. And um Herodias' daughter. You know, I don't know if it's, you know, belly dancing or whatever, but she dances or whatever. You know, she's hey, shawty, it's your birthday. We're going to pop and lock like it's your birthday. We're going to flip and slide like it's your birthday. Hey, yay, yay, yay. After the dance is done, 
Herod in his foolery. Hey, that was awesome. That was great. Whatever you want. Whatever you need. It's yours. Now, of course, he probably thinking she won't. Some rubies, some diamonds. Uh, I don't know. One of her, one of his sons. You know, I don't know. You know, uh, a house suite in the in the palace. Regular stuff. But here come Mama, seizing an opportunity. Hey. So yeah, I know like, you know, we could basically get up, get you, you know, get you set up for life and everything, but this John the Baptist person really getting on my nerves. So go ask Herod to give you the head of John the Baptist so that way I ain't gotta listen to him talk talk about me no more. Daughter probably looking at her like, What? This man said he'll give us whatever we want, and you want the head of John the Baptist? Making mama happy. Right? Could the daughter say no? We don't know. I'm going to make mama happy. So mama say that's what she want. Mama said give me head John the Baptist. Here it's sad now. Like dog man. I put my foot in my mouth. But I don't want to make my guests upset with me. I don't want to make the daughter of Herodias upset with me. I don't want to make Philip upset with me. I don't want people to be mad at me. So, head of John the Baptist, gone. Out there. Right? How many of us have opened the door for so much evil and carnage to exist and thrive in our lives because we wouldn't stand up for what we knew to be the right thing to do. How much pain and how much carnage have we wreaked into our own lives because we haven't allowed ourselves to do what we know to be true. And I'm talking to believers in the house. I ain't talking to unbelievers. I'm talking to the believers in the house. You got people, we got that we got people and again, talking to myself too, so I ain't like I'm exempt. We got some people in the house who you know, we say we love Jesus and we say that we love everything about him and he's the, 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 the apple of our eyes and he's the partner of our sins and, you know, he's the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That's who he is. Even when I don't see him, he working, all that. We say that he's the alpha and omega of our lives. And yet, when someone or something comes along and asks us to do something, we are capitulating to them and 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 and, and like our like our like our knees just buckle. We can't stand at all. You got people that are believers right now who are living in unrepentant sin today because they can't get over themselves. Because they can't get over themselves. 
You got some people who are, you know, believers in the house today who will not allow God to be God in their lives because they are afraid if they are, that they allow God to be God in their lives, they're going to have to hurt somebody's feelings. You got people that are in relationships right now that are that are in doing inappropriate things in those relationships. Talking about fornication, homosexuality, outright doing what they want to do, and claiming Christ at the same time. You got people who are claiming Christ. But because I love my boyfriend or I love my girlfriend or I love my per my person so bad that I'm willing to over overstep the cross because I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to make them upset. I don't want them to be mad at me. Got people who are in abusive relationships right now. And again, I understand the dynamics of abuse, so I'm not trying to trivialize what you're going through. But you got people right now that will continue to stay in those state, those relationships, knowing they need to leave. But because they're afraid of not making that person happy, not making that person feel good, not making that person feel important, I'm going to stay in this relationship. You got people right now that will allow people to berate them and belittle them and ca and castrate them and ostracize them, criticize them, all in because I want to make them happy. I want to make them feel good. You got people on jobs right now who are so afraid of the boss, so afraid of not making them happy because they want to climb those ladders and they want to get those promotions so badly that they're willing to do the wrong thing on that job. That they know in their heart ain't supposed to be done. But they're going to do it. Because I don't want to make the boss upset with me. I don't want to make my coworkers upset with me. I want them to be, I want to be nice to them. I want to be kind to them. I want to make them happy. You got people that are right now in the midst of, you know, um, you know, wanting to make mom and dad happy, even though mom and dad have been treating them like the scum of the earth for 50, 60 years, but they feel obligated to, to make them happy because I'm the, I'm a daughter, I'm a son is what I'm supposed to do in your heart of heart, knowing that ain't where you're supposed to be. It ain't what you're supposed to be doing. Love them. But they, but again, they can't cross this boundary. But we let them step over the boundaries over and over and over again because I just want to make them happy. You got kids who are suffering right now because their parents are so so um short-sighted that they don't see that this joker you done brought in this house may be treating these kids some type of way. Or you're neglecting your children because you want to sit up, you want to lay up with this dude night after night, week after week, month after month. And claim Christ as your Lord and Savior. Kids begging, where, where mama at? Where daddy at? But we can't see because we're so short-sighted in what we want in making this person happy, making this person feel good, that we can't see that the children are suffering. But because we want to be loved and because we want to be liked and because we want to be cared for so badly, 
we're willing to overstep the cross and overstep what we know to be right so we can keep somebody in our lives and try to justify it by saying, well, God's still working on me. God's still working on me. So when you going to go to work? When you going to make the decision? To declare Christ as, as Lord and not just Savior. See, the problem with Herod is the problem with a lot of us today. We're so busy making everybody happy that we can't see that we've put we've taken God off the throne and placed people on it. And we're worshiping them and not him. We're satisfied with a shallow level faith. Because that shallow level faith is, is propelling us just enough to get by. But we're putting all of our energy, all our effort, and all of our time, and all of our resources into other people being happy. Giving money that these jokers don't deserve so they can be happy. Spending late nights in places we ain't got no business being in so that somebody else can be happy. Knowing our people are strung out on drugs, knowing our people are strung out on alcohol, and yet we're giving money away. To enable, to enable them. We cannot serve two masters. As our good um, um, lady Mary Tor Torkelson says, we cannot serve two masters. We're going to love one and hate the other or love one and despise the other, but we can't serve both of them. And every time we try, God will work it out in such a way to where chaos will ensue in some type of way for God to lovingly remind us. I told you, you shall have no other gods before me. And you have a Holy Spirit living inside of you to make that work. The problem with us, we think that Christianity is supposed to be a cakewalk. So we ain't supposed to suffer, we ain't supposed to struggle, we ain't supposed to go through nothing, we ain't supposed to endure no trials. Sometimes the very trial that God, God wants us to endure is the separation of us between another person who, who has done us wrong. Does it hurt? Heck yeah, it hurts. But I would rather go into the kingdom with a broken heart emotionally than to have a whole heart emotionally that, that, put, that sinks me into hell. Especially when I'm giving this person my heart and all they're doing is trampling over it anyway. I shouldn't have to and none of us should have to people please anybody in order to keep them in our lives. None of us should have to people please in order to make pastors satisfied with us, deacons satisfied with us, First ladies, they're satisfied with us. Do you know how many people are in shackles and chains right now in their churches because they spend more time people pleasing the pastors and the deacons and the and the first ladies and all them rather than standing up for what's true, regardless of who may have to come into opposition? Jesus said, I didn't come, you know, for peace. I came with a sword. 
And sometimes we got to separate ourselves from the very people we love so that we can be at peace and free in our souls. Sometimes pastor may ask you to do something that don't line up with scripture. What you going to do? Sometimes first lady may ask you to do something that don't line up with scripture. What is you going to do? Sometimes the, the auxiliary board may ask you to do something that does not line up with scripture. What are you going to do? I've told y'all my story before. I'll tell it again. The church, the former church that I pastored at, they wanted me to, 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 to try to get people to, to, to give money they didn't have during the pandemic so that the church could stay afloat. And I told them, I'm not about to beg people for money they don't have. They're not working. Where is your money? Retirees. Y'all can help keep this church afloat 10 times over. We can have money for the next 50 years if y'all just gave a little bit more. Where y'all money at? Oh, no, you ain't teaching scripture. You ain't teaching, you ain't teaching Bible. What you gonna do? Will you stand up for God in the midst of opposition, even if it means it costs you popularity with people? Or is the popularity with people so important to you that you're willing to compromise on the gospel, compromise on your relationship with Jesus Christ, compromise on everything you know to be true, just to make them happy? Are you willing to compromise on everything you know to be true so you can stay in a relationship with somebody who ain't trying to marry you no time soon, got, done, 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 ain't got to buy the cow because he get the milk for free? Are you willing to compromise on the gospel so you can make a few extra dollars on your job even though it means you got to step over the very people that tried to help you to get to where you, where you are today? Are you going to compromise on the gospel so that way you can stay booed up with somebody at the expense of your kids? Are you going to stay, are you going to compromise on the gospel so that way you can make sure that your kids have everything they could ever ask for and spoil them rotten at the expense of their souls? Are you going to compromise on everything you know to be true about the gospel so that way you can continue your, your addiction habit and try, to, and try to get up under the guise of, well, God, only God judges and God forgives 70 times 7 a day and God loves me despite me. Are you going to compromise on the gospel just so that you can say, I attend this church and I'm under this bishop or I'm under this pastor or I'm under this person? Even if you know that this bishop, pastor, preacher, whoever isn't preaching and teaching the gospel and or is asking you to do things that you know are contrary to the gospel. For many of us, as the believers in Christ, I'm talking about the believers in Jesus, our faith is shallow and our faith is weak. And up against any type of opposition, we will compromise our ideals. We'll compromise our morals. 
will compromise our our beliefs, will compromise the cross out of fear of making somebody upset. I started this podcast, you know, in 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 in, in the what back in August when I started this thing back in August. Those first few weeks were were terrible for me. Terrible. And they were terrible because as I've told y'all before, people pleasing is downtown my issue with all the abandonment issues that I've had and thanks by the grace of God he's I've overcome and dealt with those demons and no longer have those fears but those things show up every now and then and sure enough when this show started back in August I was in living in downtown people pleasing mode and always upset every time somebody would come in here and say a negative thing I'm trying to spread the gospel why is everybody upset why is everybody so mad? Why is everybody so frustrated? I don't get it. Getting into squabbles and spats with folk. Ain't no reason to be getting in squabbles and spats. But here I am going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And God had to show me, hey, bruh, why are you so upset with people not aligning with you? Do you not know where you are? You're in the public square. People are not going to agree with you. You know what to tell them when they don't? Two things. One, this show is not for you. This show is for the believers. So the, my audience is not the unbeliever. My audience is the believers in God. The believers in Jesus Christ. Number two, though. Y'all are welcome here. And God loves you. And wants a relationship with you. So... Say what you want to say, just keep it classy. But God loves you and wants a relationship with you. And it's not my job to prove his existence, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and try to prove it. My job is to proclaim, and it's God's job to convince. My job is simply to proclaim, and it's God's job to convince. So as preaching teach the word that is foolishness according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 this is foolishness and then God comes in and takes this foolishness and saves folk and it helped me to understand and remember that this walk that we walk is not about making people happy it's about showing them that they can be free That's our life mission as believers. Not our job to make people happy. It's our job to show them that they can be free. And freedom hurts sometimes. Because you got to let go of some things and let go of some people who do not have your soul's best interest. They may have your body, your mind, your emotions, your money your resources, your fame, those interests at heart. But when it comes to the soul, that's the most important. It's who we are, the soul. We sometimes got to be ripped from those people in order for us to be reminded of that our souls are what matter the most. And it hurts. 
It hurts to put God before spouse. It hurts to put God before kids. It hurts to put God before pastor. It hurts to put God before boss. It hurts to put God before best friend. It hurts to put God before mistress. It hurts to put God before your jigaboo. It hurts to put God before, you know, your, your, your pro. It hurts. It hurts to put God before your social media. It hurts to put God before your porn hub. It hurts to put God before your OnlyFans. And yet, by the power of Christ who lives in us, he causes us to desire him more than anything else. And even when it hurts, our souls can be at peace. Our souls can be at peace. So we the believers in God. We have an opportunity. To recognize. That we don't have to live up to other people's expectations. We don't have to live up to other people's desires for us. And we don't have to live to people please people. Stand for God. Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for faith. And in doing so, watch God work. It might hurt to let some people go. But what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And so, thank you, Robert. I appreciate that. And so, saying again all that to say, we don't have to live a people-pleasing lifestyle. We don't. God has given us a love that allows us to be loved by Him. And in being loved by Him, it allows us the ability to be able to say, I love you, but I'm not going to compromise my love for God because of you. I love you, but I'm not going to compromise my beliefs for you. I love you, and I'm not going to allow you to cause me to fall out of line with Jesus. So to all my believers in the house today. You can be free. You can be free from people pleasing. Get underneath that. What's underneath that? Are you? Do you have abandonment issues? Do you have um, anger issues? Do you have, um, you know, you know, um, you know, attachment issues, like get underneath that. What's going on there to where you have to make everybody happy all the time? Why do you need peace in your life so badly that you're scared to create chaos? What's going on there? Let God get into that space. 
Let God talk to you about that. What's going on in that space to where you got to be so everybody got to be happy in your life in order for you to be in order for you to be happy. Why? Why? Why is that necessary for you? Because if that's so necessary for you, you are going to live a miserable life because you can't make everybody happy all the time. And what's worse is you'll find yourself compromising on the gospel of Jesus Christ, compromising on who you say you believe in so that somebody else can be made happy. And that's not a life worth living where you have to sacrifice and compromise your soul so that somebody else can be happy. You don't need to compromise your soul to be loved. Compromising your soul so you can lay up in bed at night with somebody. Or in the middle of the day, whenever you feel the need. Compromising on your soul so that way you can, you know, get your body parts to act a certain way in order to make yourself feel good. When you know that's not how God would have you to live. You don't have to, you don't have to do that. You don't have to compromise on who you know to be so that somebody else can be happy. You don't got to compromise on who you are in order to keep a job. You don't have to compromise on who you are in order to, that, that your kids be all right. You ain't got to do that. You ain't got to do that. You don't have to compromise on who you are so that way you can be popular and keep friends. You ain't got to do, you ain't got to compromise on who you are so that you can make dollars. Only fan models, I, I understand. You need you want to make your money. I get it. You ain't got to compromise on the gospel to do that. If you say you're a believer in Jesus, you ain't got to do that. You ain't got to do that. Believer, churchgoer, you don't have to compromise on the gospel in order to stay at a church where you know you don't belong. If you know you don't need to be there, you know the pastor's doing foul stuff, and you know the pastor ain't about worth two cents, leave. Leave. If he's compromising on the gospel, leave. If he's asking you to do something you know in your heart of hearts you shouldn't be doing, leave. You don't have to stay there. And yeah, he may say something and other members may say something and all that. Bye. God is greater. God is greater. Again, like we see with Herod, his people pleasing issues, they spiraled out of control to where it cost a man his life. Let that not be so among us. Let us be reminded that the greatest love that we could ever possess is that of God. And as we possess God's love, we no longer need to compromise on who we are so that we can secure it through other people. Because at the end of the day, we can do all the people pleasing in the world that we want to do. But if it causes us to walk out of line with God, it's only going to end up costing us so much more than we could ever imagine. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Typically, we're with you here Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. But today, we're here on Friday as my week got shifted off a day. Thank you for the 2,300 likes that we received. Thank you for every comment, follow, and share. 
Um, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to drop down in the comment box right now. I got about seven minutes with you guys before I leave. Um, but feel free again to drop down in the comment box with any questions, comments, or concerns that you may have. If you've missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, you can go right now to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Listen to every episode from inception to now. Um, in just a few minutes, going to scroll through these comments. See what's going on in this chat box. Y'all are popping off like a mug. And so I'm going to go through these real quick and see what's going on. If there's any questions um, pertinent to answering, I will answer them as quickly as I can. Again, I'm so grateful to each and every one of y'all being in with me on today. You're watching a True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. Thank you, Robert. Appreciate you. Hey, bad kitty. Good to see you. I saw you posted a video earlier today. I'm going to go check it out. person said why follow a book legalistically when it has so many proven mistranslations from the original text um if you checked out the earlier um when we were on around 10 we talked about that actually that there is a legalism that some people ascribe to when it comes to talking about the gospel and talking about um talking about following the bible um that's not us at least that's not me and that's not what i teach here on true gospel morning show um, and so if you are following the Bible legalistically, I seek God, you know, to pray for you and, um, you know, um, you know, repent of that because legalism ain't going to work. It's just not going to fly and it's only going to make things worse, not better. And you're trying to prove yourself worthy of the kingdom when you don't have any, you, there's nothing you can do to prove yourself worthy of the kingdom. And so we talked about that a lot in the earlier, um, um, commentary. And so if you go to. Spotify and Apple Podcast. The show will be up in about 30 to 45 minutes. Um, so check it out. Um, and, and, and a lot of those questions will be answered in that way. Um, let's see what else is going on. Um, da, 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 da. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay. Don't like a whole lot was going on in the chat box like I thought. Just a lot of, a lot of talking, talking, talking. Um, let's see. Um. Mad Kitty said, been growing in my faith and I feel the pressure from my family. Yeah, hey, listen. Hit me up in the DMs and talk to me about it. Let's see. Um. Appreciate you, Clean Cooper. 
C or C Lynn Cooper, appreciate you. Let's see. You gotta make money preaching either. No, you don't. You sure don't. Um Okay. All right. Well, listen, again, you know, I'm grateful for every person who's come on to the show on today. Grateful for everyone who's spending a little bit of time with me on today. Thank you guys so, so much. I uh, really do appreciate y'all from the bottom of my heart for everything that you guys have done and continue to do for this show. Um, thank you guys again for tuning in. Thank you for listening to me. Again, you know, just proclaiming some truth and hope that God has said something to you that will stir up in your hearts, minds, and souls. We'll be right back here on Tuesday for another episode of the True Gospel Morning Show at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you guys once again so, so much for your viewership on today. Thank you for the 2,800 likes that we got today. As always... If you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.